Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you are joining us for part three and the conclusion of a fabulous interview and a great interview series with Scott Wright as we've been discussing the seventh age of the church. Amen. Now, the seventh age of the church is really represented if you if you've been paying any attention to this discussion we've been having it is totally represented by technology and it's the technology that exists today amen and, and we are dealing with the effects of this technology on faith on society on society's problems and you can see it every single night on the news there is no doubt we are living in the seventh age of the church amen no no doubt whatsoever which means what it's all going to wrap up real soon and Jesus is about to return. That's what the whole thing centers around. Praise God. I don't want to take any more from Scott's time. Let's jump back into the conclusion of this interview right now with Scott Wright. And and you can see that because recently the news about NATO. And all exactly. That. I mean, NATO is a big part are, of that. Yeah, they're, those are still exist today. That came out it, of World it, War II. Exactly. And, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis will be the culmination of a lot of that of them going head to head almost to the brink of nuclear war. If you go back and you, again, go watch the movie 13 days, they give a pretty good depiction of what really happened there. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't want to read it and study it, you just want a quick glance of it. That's a good way. That's a good way to learn it. But what also happens at the end of world war two is that, and I, I find this interesting and I'm not sure FDR would have done this, but I find it interesting how Harry Truman became the vice president because he was not the VP the term before. The guy that was FDR's VP from 1941 to 1945 was removed, and Harry S. Truman at the last minute was put in his place through some political wrangling, and now it's Roosevelt Truman. And then what happens is Roosevelt doesn't live very long after he is inaugurated. We basically have a newcomer on the scene that is, you know, in an essence, unelected, that is going to make two of the biggest decisions in the history of the world, at Man. least in the modern history. Mm -hmm. Number one, he's going to be the one that decides to drop the atomic bomb. Number two, he on May, and this is important, on May 14th, 1948, Harry Truman will sign the document that will make Israel become a nation and give, give them a provisional government. A lot of these of the Jewish people fled after they were released from these concentration camps. Some of them, a lot of them were taken to different areas. There, you can like 
there was a, there's a movie out there called the Windermere children. And, and you can kind of get a sense of what was going on uh, for a lot of the people that survived these concentration camps, especially these children who become very prominent in all this, but they're going to be spread out. And most of them will flee to one of three places. They'll go to the United States to get away from the Europe, the tyranny in Europe. They'll go to great Britain because Britain was much more friendly for a Jewish population than the other countries in Europe. Or they will flee to Israel. Okay, so here's something else interesting. In 19, January 25th, 1949, there will be a permanent government elected in Israel. And then on July 5th, 1950, there's going to be this thing called the Law of Return. And basically, any Jewish person can return to Israel and automatically be a citizen of Israel. And a lot of these people that had been in these concentration camps, refugees, you name it, they will flee to Israel because they are automatically granted citizenship. They don't have to, a lot of them are still trying to become citizens in the United States and Britain and some of these other European countries and couldn't, well, they could return here and do so. And this starts the formation of Israel again. So that is very significant in the seventh age of the church. And as time goes on, we get June 5th through June 10th of 1967, Israel is going to miraculously win and that's an awesome story. a standoff, basically, what's going to be considered a war. And through this, they are going to completely retake the rest of Jerusalem. The old part of Jerusalem now militarily is in their hands. There's going to be more chaos and more war over this. And finally, there's going to be a peace settlement. In August 7th, 1970. And that is going to politically help secure that part of uh, basically the rest of Jerusalem for Israel. They're the world's just simply going to have to accept it. You can go back and read about that. It's not that is not that well known, but I have read enough about it that it did help do that. And then, of course, there'd be some more war and all this other stuff, and there'd still be this this whole fighting between the Palestinians and Jewish people in the 1970s. And some of that goes off and on even now and through today. Oh yeah. yeah. But, but Israel now finally had their entire, basically their entire nation back. It wasn't exactly like it was, but now they have that. The only thing they don't have now is the temple. So that is significant. And that is a part of the seventh age of the church. Yeah. So, so we need to, you know, we, we got to take that part into consideration. Here's another thing. We're going to see the message of the gospel spread quickly with all the advent of technology. We're going to see the rise of guys like, uh, Billy Graham crusades. Yeah. Dr. Bill Bright campus crusade for Christ. It's going to be the largest parachurch in the world and really the largest outreach ministry ever. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to see those things come about after world war two. And I find it interesting. You have the Jesus revolution. Those of you that went out there and watched the Jesus revolution film, that's going to come out of all this in the 19 late sixties and early seventies. So we're going to see all that. You're going to see all these, you got all these pseudo wars that happen between political systems. 
and you're going to see technology just continue to expand, expand, expand. Here is significant thing about this church of Laodicea is that we're going to see the saturation of technology that will completely control our lives. We we're see that there we're already and we're there. there. I mean, we're, we're the living product of this. Yep. And I mean, not that the war of the spirit and the flesh hadn't always been there, but how easy is it now to just fulfill any type of pleasure that a person wants to on the snap of a finger? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't even give it a second thought and we're, we're in such a stage of lot or of, of advancement of technology and social thinking that we basically we justify living according to the flesh like it's a okay mm-hmm. i mean yeah. and it's easy to do and so and you know when, when let's stop right there for a second you know you talk about how the spread of technology and, and the growth of technology has has captured the lives of almost every person now in the world. And that's representative of the seventh age control. Because, I mean, as you said that, I was just thinking, my wife and I talk about this sometimes as well. You know, let's just say an EMP blows over, you know, two or three of them well-placed above, you know, the, the in the atmosphere over the United States will wipe out the entire electric grid and you're going to lose power, everything, cars, everything. And if you stop and think about that, you know, some people, oh, okay, you know, the power is going to go out. That's going to suck. But, you know, it's not like, oh, a lightning storm knocked the power out. And, you know, we see news reports, you know, the power has been out for 10 days now, you know, before they yeah. get everything back on. You're talking about millions upon hundreds of millions of people living in cities in these high rise condominiums that are totally dependent on air conditioning and heating and water and all that, all that's gone. I mean, if you're living on the 37th floor, you're walking all the way downstairs and hauling water from the river back upstairs in a hot, hot, hot building. I mean, you know, this is not going to be a good time. No. (laughs) And it, I don't think people realize how quickly technology can be taken away and the ability to use it in the way that it's powered. It's not, you know, think about your phone. You got to charge it all the time. Right. Think about, I mean, think about these computers, you and I talking on here. It depends on us being able to plug this into a wall and connecting cords and for there to be electrical power to do that yeah and you know people say well i got a gas generator yeah okay the the best report that i heard concerning an emp blackout like we were talking about it's not going to be a matter of days you're talking six to seven years before they're going to be able to get the grid back up i mean you're not talking about losing your water all that you know they're how many wells do we have in the cities? <laughs> you <know>? Exactly. <laughs> you know, and they're, they're, you know, you can't, I can't dig a well on my property because no. we're required to have city water. You know, I mean, just think about it. Everything it's... we've become dependent on is going to be turned off. 
everything. There's no trucks running because they can't get gas because there's no electricity to pump gas, you know, nope. to deliver food and things like that. It is not going to be pleasant. It's going to go total anarchy, 100% anarchy. And uh, that's that's what we're looking forward to because we've come, as you said, totally dependent upon yes. technology. And that could, you know, and that will be that, you know, that could be an end result of all of this at some point. And I don't know what that point is. And, and obviously that, that could happen. One of the things that I, I want to, I want to point out here though, is that this last age of the church is, is significant in that the God, the message of the gospel has been spread okay and but there is still over three to four billion people on earth that have not yeah. heard it so that's almost half easy. the population yeah easy and, and it could more be that. more than yeah. that yeah. that's about what is estimated i saw one figure said 3.2 billion i've seen some more than that but here's what i'm going to say about this ask yourself this question do we do we focus any more on really living in the power of the spirit or do we focus just simply on just giving people the message of the gospel? And have we taken the message of the gospel and turned it into a commodity? Yeah, that's what's happened. Exactly. And that has happened in a lot of places. I'm not saying everybody does done that, but I'm saying that that has been something that has came about as a result of us living what I call these fast food consumeristic lifestyles, because we want everything now. One of my second, my, my second manuscript of writing and eventually will be a book is called the idols within We're it is going to be talking about modern day idolatry and how it's really the idol of the week is what we can almost talk about. It, it really is. I mean, Things change so fast, and I and I, I teach and and I, lo I love to teach about uh, teach sociology. We talk about how inventions and technology affects culture. We get into a large, we have a project on that, and so and we dive in and I, and I tell students, I said, look at how quickly our cultures all keep changing now. And how our daily lives keep changing so fast because of the advent of technology. If you go back five years ago, 10 years ago, look at the technology then, look at now. Our oh, culture's yeah. changed. Yeah. We used to, if you dial back what we were talking about, that agrarian lifestyle, things changed really slowly. They might change over a 50-year period in minute ways. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. it feels like it changes every week. Yeah. The advent of technology is going so fast and we have built life in a way, and this is what's happened. We've almost built our lives in a way that we absolutely have zero need for God. Yeah. At least in our minds, we, we don't, we got YouTube to look up how to fix anything. Yeah. We got Amazon to order anything to our front door. How, why do I need to interact with people? and deal with their messy lives like they did that, like they were forced to a hundred, 200 years ago, because you had to do that. 
to get through and get by. And so as a result of that, the moral standard has completely degraded just in the way people relate to each other. Yeah. And it all boils down to this. You, I hear people talk about this sin or that sin. And, I, and I'll say, look, I don't even worry about that anymore. Sin is just a symptom. What it really boils down to is that people have lost their understanding for the need of God. And I believe that that is a major symbol of this church age. Matter of fact, if we read Revelation chapter three and we start, and I'm going to pull that up right here. And we start with verse 17 or excuse me, verse 15. It says, I know your deeds. You are neither caught hot or excuse me, cold nor hot. How I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to vomit you out of my mouth. Now, listen to this verse, because we all get into this lukewarm thing. But the next verse really lays it out. You say, I am rich. I have grown wealthy and need nothing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Ouch. Okay, now go and read the other six ages of the church according to Revelation and then read that. This is by far the most stringent, harshest, and most condemning thing that is said by Jesus of any of the ages of the church. The only other thing would be the Jezebel spirit of the fourth age of the church that I would equate with it because he's going to throw it on a bed of sickness. Because, but he gives them time to rid themselves of it, and they don't. But this is almost like a total, it, the, the way it's written and the way it comes across, it's like a total depiction of everything. Yeah. It's not just some people. It is like he's talking about the entire church. Well, isn't that true yeah. nowadays? I mean, yeah. if you compare our wealth just Compare the wealth of somebody that is considered low income and in poverty level and compare that to somebody who was middle class 150 years ago. It's the person nowadays is wealthier that is in poverty level than that person who would have been considered middle class back then. Yeah. That is the difference. And so this advent of technology has really changed the way we think and this under, and, and he wraps it up right there and need nothing. Okay. We, we don't think we need anything, but the truth is we, we have, we need God more now than ever. And, and, and for those of you listening, understand this, your need for God is so deep and, and no offense, but our sin, all of us, and this is all of us, this is, this is me included. Mm-hmm. Our sin is so wretched and so pitiful, regardless of what age of the church you've been living in, or even before Jesus came, that to not understand that you have a need for God means that if you don't feel that, then you are blinded from the truth. Because I find it interesting, the very next thing, In verse 18, he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold 
refined by fire so that you may become rich. What he is talking about, gold is truth. And he's telling you to buy truth from him because he is the only source of it. See, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And him saying that he is the truth, he's totally re-saying it right here, the same thing. And he's telling you that your faith needs to be refined by his truth and that you can only get real faith from him. You can only please God through your faith in him. There is zero other ways that we can do that. There is zero other ways that we can overcome our sin. And if you relate that back to verse 17, I think that becomes pretty clear. We don't just need God. He is absolute. He is more vital than your next breath. So tell God us how... is the God of breath and the God of life. Amen. And we need to realize that in this age of the church because this age of the church unlike the other ones i've been talking about this is the one we're living in yeah absolutely and and as we get ready to wrap up share how this church age the seventh age of the church is going to end well interestingly enough i uh and i've studied eschatology a lot i've talked to a lot of people there's a lot of different ideas about some of the wrap up, but when we jump in and I'm going to, I'm going to sort of leave a little blank here (laughs) because I really want to include this in our next topic. When we talk about the break, when we give out the organization of these seven ages of the church, we're going to give a, almost like a, not a PowerPoint, but almost like a spreadsheet and an understanding of how, how well organized God is in all this. The main thing I'm going to say is this. God has given an organization to this, and he has layered a time period to it. Folks, this this, this seven age of the church, the, the entire body of the age of the church is not forever. That's right. It is going to end. And the fact that Israel got their land back and their people moved back in and they established a government there should tell you, that the, some of the prophecies of the Bible are coming true and already have. Yeah. And that should yeah. be a good signal that we need to have a sense of urgency to not only be teaching others about Christ, but that we need to live in the spirit and we need to submit to that leadership because we need God in every aspect of our lives. There is not a part of our lives that we don't. And in talking about the end of this age of the church, there are some, there's going to be some significant things that happen. I believe, and I know a lot of people are saying it's going to be tomorrow. It's going to, you know, it's going to be really quick in human years. I think we still got just a little bit of time left, maybe a little bit more than what people are predicting, but I'm going to say this. I don't think there's a lot. I really don't. I, I think we are crawling to the end. And when I give you in the next episode, when I, when I lay out that time and how organized this has become and how clearly organized it is, I think you're going to get a sense that, hey, something is going to happen around this, this time period. So do not delay. Yep. It will come like a thief in the night. You know, it's like the man who needed to be prepared for the thief to break in, but wasn't. Make sure that you are prepared, and that is by receiving Jesus as your Savior, 
That's it. And then submitting to the power of the Holy Spirit to lead your heart in whatever direction he calls. At the end of this, you know, you can live it up in this life if you want to. But what do you really have? 80 years, 70 years, 90 years, you know? Some people don't have tomorrow. Yeah. That is not even a pinprick on a timeline compared to eternity. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I I, I did a, a quick calculation one time. My mother died when I was 18 months old. Okay. Okay. And, you know, just using the, you know, one day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day, right? I, just using that as a calculation point, when I get to heaven, which could be at any time, but let's just say, you know, it's, it's, you know, now, right. As far as her time reference is concerned, she's been gone like 10 minutes. Yep, <laughs> you know? Exactly. I mean, you know, here's 65 years later, you know, I'm still here. And then I get up, mom, you know, she'll know me. I'll know her and all that stuff. But, you know, like if, if something was to happen to your spouse or something like that, and then you died three years later, you know, she's still being introduced to Jesus when you get there type thing, you know? So it's like, Oh, you're here already. You know? So, you know, the time, time in heaven means nothing, you know? And, and cause it goes forever. Exactly. And we have no concept of time there because we're there forever, but you can't get to that. But, and let's look at the flip side of that folks. If, you know, you can enjoy heaven forever and ever, and it's, you know, there's no concept of time. It's, you're just there. Hell is the same way. You're there. You are there forever. And as Scott's been saying, the only opportunity you may have is to receive Jesus as your Savior. That's it. That's the only way to heaven. He already he gave us that scripture. That's the only way that you are going to get through this. And, you know, like I said, during that part of the conversation, some people don't have till tomorrow. They will die today. And they'll either die with Jesus or without Jesus. There's no other option. Nope. And, you know, I have been in churches where, you know, someone took, found out later from the family that on the ride home, this person was saying, you know, I, I like that, but it really resonated. I think tonight I'm going to walk forward. And he was in a car accident and died. He didn't take that walk. He did not accept Jesus as a savior because he was going to wait till tonight. Tonight never came for them. There are people listening to us right now. Tomorrow won't be there for you. Who's it going to be? We don't know. We have no clue. But if you don't take this opportunity, Scott has led up to this opportunity. So I'm going to jump all over because I'm an evangelist at heart. Pray this prayer with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I need Jesus in my heart. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Take over my life. Create in me this new man that that your word talks about. One that loves God. One that loves you. Forgive me of my sins. All of them. Every single, even ones I don't even remember. Wash me clean. Give me your life that I may be with you forever. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you pray that prayer, you know, email me at brotherbob at ftfm.org because we want to rejoice with you. Amen. And if you don't have your own Bible, I'll send you one absolutely free. Post pay. I'll pay the postage on it just to get it into your hands. But this is continental United States only. 
You know, just reach out, let me know, and we'll put one in the mail to you. Praise God. Scott, it's been so interesting as usual. If someone has a question or would like more information or possibly want to reach out to you for an interview like this, how can they do that? How can someone get in touch with you? Um, well, first of all, you can just go to my email, gccgodcenteredconcept2038 at gmail.com. And that 2038 should be a good little signal about what we're going to talk about next time. <laughs> I was always wondering what that was for. <laughs> we're, the next episode is going to be about that. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You're going to, oh. you're going to know what thin mission is after this next episode. And you guys are going to know what 2038 represents. Amen. I'll put a link to all this in the show notes below folks. There's no doubt we're living and what Jesus and historical Christian scholars have called the end times. I mean, we are working our way through each of the church ages in order to give you a more thorough understanding of how all this fits into what we're witnessing right now all around us. And Scott has a goal of launching this series on a larger scale than just talking on a podcast. He wants to reach churches and organizations with this curriculum that will change their churches from simple institutions into a movement. Amen. He's also a podcaster, has a truly great podcast called The God Center Concept as well. You really need to listen and subscribe to this podcast. Amen. He's also published a journal called God Center Concept Journal, Making God's Word by Ways. I urge you to drop down in the show notes, click the links right there, order his book, be sure to subscribe to his podcast. Scott, I want to thank you again for taking the time to come back on the program, sharing all about the seventh age of the church as well as well, age one through six previously too. I do appreciate your time, brother. Right there. Um, I'm here now. There we go. Okay. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> See, the devil's trying to interrupt that communications flow, folks. That's technology <laughs> for you. See, that's a good example right there. There yeah. we go. Praise God. Amen. Folks, that's Just need a little spiritual juice right now. That's it. That's all the time we have for today. For Scott Wright, myself, this passed by reminding you to be blessed. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.